Longhorn Nation, Sooner fans, welcome to episode 67 of the Boomer Bevo podcast. The only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Kevin has not slept all night. He's been up celebrating maybe the biggest win for the Texas Longhorns since 2005 National Championship game. Am I saying too much? You know, we've had some other ones. You know, the OU game in 2008. We've talked about that one before. But it's up there, man. It is up there. I don't know, dude. Y'all went down into Alabama, the SEC bastion. And not only did you win, and it pains me to say this, but you dominated that game. The score is not reflective of how well your defensive line absolutely shut down Alabama. We're going to break down some statistics later, but the eye test was clear on who the better team was last night. And and that's the biggest surprise to me, right? I mean, the fact that we won the game, you know, I'm a little surprised, but not shocked by that. But the fact that we dominated in the trenches against that team with those players that they have, man, I was really impressed. Really impressed. Um, the only uh, one anecdotal story I have of this game was we're watching it last night and my wife is messing around on her phone and she's watching her niece play soccer on the computer and she's just kind of keeping an eye on the game and she looks up at Jatavian Sanders and she was like wow that dude's big <laughs> yeah you want to talk Man, about looking the part that guy right. could I mean here's uh wh- whether it's Sark's recruiting or maybe Texas has just decided to to start acting the acting like Texas should act but they looked every bit apart, the SEC team. They did not look out of place. And, you know, when it, when a Big 12 team beats an SEC team, it's often the flash or the, you know, they don't play spread offenses or, you know, some, something janky happened. No, 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 no. This was a yeah. beat down. And to, no say anything else, to say anything else is, is just not true. Well, I appreciate you as an OU fan being able to say those words, right? It wasn't a fluke. It, it wasn't. It tastes like vomit with every word I'm saying, but I can only speak the truth, Kevin. I can only speak the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Just the fact that how they dominated Bama's offensive line. We were in the backfield the entire time. I felt like we were getting held the whole, the entire time. Yeah. They just could not handle our guys. And the fact that we have depth, we were able to rotate guys in and there was no drop off in play when we brought the second and third team guys in. That's the most impressive part for me. Um, Quinn Ewers much derided by me as not living up to his potential, not living up to the talent. Uh, the three balls he threw deep for touchdowns were absolutely fantastic. They really, really were good. Yeah. They were, you know, they, he gave his, he gave his routine receivers time to adjust. They were uh, big, long throws. I mean, I'm really impressed with Quinn Ewers. And that takes a lot for me because I thought if y'all were going to win, it wasn't going to be the, on the arm of Quinn Ewers. But without those, I, I just don't think you have it. Yeah, and when we did our preview episode last week, we talked about that. That was one of my keys to victory. They would have to hit at least two big plays on deep shots, and they were able to get three. So, yeah, I was really impressed with him. Um, man, he just looked accurate. 
he looked calm. If you go back and look at the highlights or just watch the Rice game, he was so jittery in the pocket. He was kind of stepping up and evading the rush when there was no rush to evade. He was stepping up and jittery for no reason. So I don't know what happened between week one and week two, but I'm really glad it did. I thought y'all, I thought your your offensive line gave him a very uh, clean pocket, but it was like a tight pocket, if that yeah. makes sense. Like he didn't have a lot of room to step around, right? He kind of had to Correct. deal with what he was dealing with right there in front of him, but it was it was effective. The thing that OU he was fans, so calm, cool, and collected in the pocket. That's what you know surprised from last week. He was just thing, standing there. He was so the, patient, man. The thing that OU fans are um, that's going to keep us up at night until the second second Saturday in October is going to be your your um, outside skill players, though. I mean, Worthy, Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, and Jatavion, San- uh, Jatavion Sanders, right? Am I saying that Correct. right? Uh-huh. Uh, Jatavion Sanders, uh, I, that's a scary group of dudes. And, it is. Um, we'll get to the Oklahoma game where I think our defense actually played very, very well. Um, very well. But still, that is just going to give us nightmares because your guys whew, <laughs> look really it's, good. There's then. a lot of them, yeah. And, you know, in our season preview, we talked about this, right? Our biggest question is, can Quinn just get the ball to them? You get them the ball and great things will happen. It will be incredibly difficult to stop from any defense in the country because there's so many guys. Well, And and finally tonight, we saw it all come together. We've got a lot more to get to on this game, but let's kind of recap uh, yesterday's action because it was a pretty good day of college football. And let's take a look at our picks. I'm anxious to get to these because of how well I did. Yeah, I bet Uh, you are. Notes really quickly. Texas Tech goes to zero and two. How you feel about your boy Joey? Well, you know what? I take back everything I everything good I said about him. Right? Not as a head coach, but just as a dude. Right? He was a dude I kind of liked before. Then you know, for some reason, he starts running his mouth about Texas and LU, specifically Texas. Especially his comment, oh, "Okay, well they're good at Olympic sports, bro. What are you talking about? Uh, you I- coach at Texas Tech. Get out of here." So, man, anything bad that happens to Texas Tech, I'm here for it. So I'm well, glad they're on too. I was texting you the Texas Tech updates while you were watching your game, and I'm just telling you that man, Tech is Tech's looking good. It's Oregon. Uh, they kind of lost the game in the fourth quarter, right? I mean, Tech, yeah, Tech should have maybe should have might have been a strong word, but they definitely could have won that game, which it was even surprising to me coming off of, of a loss to Wyoming. Um, but you said it yourself, like if you think you're good, like if you really firmly believe you're good. That's the year you don't say nothing. You're just like, hey, you know, well, right. we got a season to play. We'll we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think he was making up for something. Or, but Tech looks like they have athletes. They look like they they didn't look out of place on the field with Oregon, who we know has athletes and has recruited really well over the last couple three years. Uh, but they just didn't get it done. Zero and two on the season. A and M. This was one of my picks. I picked Miami to cover and win. A and M looked like crap in the fourth quarter had periods all day where they look like crap i am here for it i can't stand AM. i'm glad they lost yeah i'm here for it too right because i can't stand AM either i was just surprised right i thought that their offense would be much improved this season under bobby petrino and i like their quarterback connor wegman both of those were true right the offense looked good wegman looked great but their defense with all those five stars they have on the defensive line they got dominated by Miami. Miami hasn't had a competent offense in years. In years. And what, what did they give up? Was it 48 points? Yeah, it was weird. Come on. 
it, it was, it was, it's weird to see AM. It's, they just don't look like a very well coached team, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball right now. They just, yeah, they, they're not sound disciplined. On social media, they were, they're wanting DJ Durkin's head. Oh, is he their DC? Yeah, he's their DC. Remember him? He was the Maryland head coach. Well, he, yeah. They can want all, they can, listen, look, they can trade out offensive coordinators. They can trade out defensive coordinators. This doesn't matter. This is at the top. This is a Jimbo Fisher led team and they need to get over trying to find a scapegoat to avoid having to pay a buyout. I'm not saying you pay the buyout. Maybe you suck it up for another couple of years, but the reason you're losing is right at the top of the list. It's Jimbo Fisher. Man, it, it's crazy for Andy. They have done everything to try to make that program successful. They have invested so much resources, so many resources into that. And it's just not working, man. Yeah. It's, you know, no, nobody wants to win more. Nobody. And they just can't figure it out. I, I'm here for every second of it. Talking about teams that are doing everything right right now, and at least on this football field, Colorado beats down Nebraska, especially in the second half, to go 2-0 and uh, going into the season. Nobody was expecting a 2-0 and start, maybe to split the first two games. Shazir Sanders looks great again. Travis Hunter looks great again. And Colorado uh, had to get through a tough first half where Nebraska's defense was doing every single thing they could to keep them in this game. But Matt Rule's offense was terrible. It was, you know, and I was really impressed by Nebraska's defense. I thought they were getting constant pressure on Shadour Sanders in the first half. They were covering downfield. They were, co- they were yeah, do you see Joel Clapp pointing out the coverages? I mean, yeah. those guys had them locked down. And they were jumping on those short routes that they like to throw. You know, they like to get those great athletes in space, like most coaches like to do. And, no, Nebraska wasn't having any of it. But eventually, when you turn the ball over four times, you are not going to win any game, especially against a team with those kind of athletes. Um, I lo- Well, first of all, I feel like I have to put a disclaimer out here every time that we are big fans of Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. And Gus Johnson is typically one of the most positive guys ever. Like, he looks for reasons to be positive on a broadcast. Yes. Uh, we've heard all sorts of things. You know, we've seen all, him in all sorts of games, blowouts and whatever. He, in the middle of the second quarter, he calls out Matt Rule for continuing to play their quarterback and wow. says, I don't know, maybe Coach Rule needs to make a change of quarterback because this kid isn't getting it done. And on the very <laughs> next play, dude throws an interception. And I'm like, wow, yeah, that is – you don't, you don't hear that a lot, no, from, especially on a national, you know, a national game broadcast. But he called him out, got those interception, and I just wanted to put my head in my hands. I'm like, this guy, yeah. he's, he's not doing and it. it. And to lose two fumbles on the snap where they're bringing guys in motion, and the one time the guy disrupted the snap, right? The snap still came, but he was kind of in the way. Yeah. They ended up fumbling that one. And then the second time, the snap hits the guy in motion, the H-back, and they lose it. And then he had the interception, the one he's kind of just staring the receiver down, throwing late kind of across his body. Gets picked off. Real, a rough game for the kid. Real quick, just a uh, let's put a let's put it aside here. You know, some uh, elliptical and just say. Speaking of fumbled snaps, was that the weirdest fumble snap ever on fourth and two for you guys? Oh my goodness! I you want to talk about lucky, and you need that. This is the kind of play that has gone against Texas for the last hundred percent years. Hundred percent right? for the snap to roll through this from the center through Quinn and just through, be sitting there through Sanders too. Because yeah. I guess Sanders, Sanders was, was going to push him. It was going to be one of those was, push plays. But, it, it, dude, the snap came back so funny, 
Yeah. I'm like almost thinking about, was that supposed to be snapped to Sanders? I know that's not true, yeah. but, it, but it just looks so weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah it looked almost like a fumble ruski type and, of play when they put the ball on the ground intentionally. And Somebody then I picked love, it up and ran. I love the rules guy for ESPN, like completely breaking it down and saying, nope, they never had the snap, so it's not a fumble. It It's a live ball. They can pick it up. They can advance it. And so the the minute he the on field ref said can't advance a fumble on fourth down, uh, I was like, man, I just I'm I'm curious if this ESPN guy was right. But I, Bill Lemonier, Bill, am I yeah. saying that right? Uh-huh. He yeah. was all over it. That was a good call. Okay, back to the recap. Colorado looks good still. Their schedule gets a little tougher. It, no, it gets much tougher. Do they got Colorado State though next week? Yeah, which big new kickoff is going to be there again for that three weeks in a row that CU has gotten Fox's pregame show to cover their team. They were there in uh, Fort Worth against TCU. They were in Boulder for this game against Nebraska, and then they'll be back in Boulder for the game against Colorado State. Okay, wait a minute. What you're telling me is they are, they are doing September 16th. They are going to be there for Colorado State with, for a 9 p.m. kickoff. Maybe they're not calling it, but they're going to be there. That's what Gus said on the, on the uh, broadcast. Okay, now look at the next week. They play Oregon. Are you telling me that Big 12 Noon could be there for Oregon? The Big Noon kickoff? Big Noon Maybe kickoff. so. And I mean, it's a bigger guess, game than Colorado State. And guess who they play on the 30th? Yeah. Who do they play? Let our, let our listeners know. Uh, your boy, Caleb Williams, and the University of Southern California. They could – that would be the most unprecedented run of network coverage. And I don't think they're wrong. I don't think I they're think wrong I think that's either. where they should be. Correct. Deion Sanders is this look, the, look, y'all, Texas today, let's not let's not dismiss that win, is the center of the football world right now, at least for this week. Mm-hmm. But for the season, the story on the season is Deion Sanders. Yes, and, it's Coach Prime all day. Oh, unbelievable. Okay. Uh that's great. I'm here for it. Uh one more game of note. Well, you were you were interested in the Ole Miss Tulane game. Ole Miss handled business. That was a top 25 loss by Tulane. What was the final uh, score on that? 37-20. But that's a Yeah, you know, I think it was close. I think it was close in the first half. I think OU, I mean, excuse me. I think Ole Miss pulls away in the second half, right? I think they just probably have a different caliber of athlete, more uh, depth. And then the last game, which I thought was fascinating, was Utah over Baylor. I did not expect Baylor to be able to hang with Utah. It you 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 were you and I were talking during the game. You think it's more about how bad Florida sucks. I do. I do because not how good game, or bad. Utah or well, I think Utah is good. I just think the fact that they don't have their starting quarterback and they started a, you know, they started a backup. Their offense didn't look great. I think Florida was just so incompetent in all phases of the game. Every phase of the game, Florida was completely incompetent. And you get that with the fact that Baylor was desperate. You lose to Texas State, you're going to uh, come out with a greater effort yep. against Utah at home. And so I think it was just those two things. I thought Baylor could have won the game, probably should have won the game. Uh, that was a questionable uh, non-call in the end zone. Could have been pass interference. Yeah, well, it was. You I can see it. the controversy there. It's, a, it's a game-ending play. Bang, bang, game-ending play. You know, I don't know if you call it or not, but uh, they were right there. But I was surprised by their effort, knowing how physical Utah is. Um, but Utah hangs on. That's another way to look at it, too. Utah hangs on, maintains their a chance at the college playoff in, in the Pac-12. That Pac-12 just keeps getting more and more exciting. It's 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 the it's the biggest twist of irony that the best conference to watch this year has been the Pac-12 
and it's the last year for the Pac-12. The last year, and they're going to lose all of it. it it's crazy, right? And um, there's a re- realistically five or six teams that can win that conference. I hope they all cannibalize each other, especially by lose by beating USC. Um, Colorado was not ranked. Surely they're going to be ranked, right? I think they they got into the AP poll after the one against TCU. I think they got up to twenty two. Oh, did they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. I don't. Oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they are. You're right. You're right. Okay. Uh, they're going to go up. Tulane lose. Tulane losing. That's the only real top twenty five because they're not going to pass Alabama. Alabama what falls to ten probably. I would think so. Um. Okay. Real quick. Recapping the picks. Last week, John was four and one. Kevin was three and two. This week, we both had Colorado. I had Oregon. You had Tech. That's a win for me. Lost for you. I had A and M. You love A and M, and you picked them to win, so that's a loss for you. <laughs> uh, we both had Oklahoma to cover. Probably not by the score that existed or that that occurred. And then you had the big win against Texas. I had Bama covering. On the year, six and four for you, eight and two for me. If you're betting with the Boomer Bevo podcast and you're listening to our free picks, you are making money, Kevin. Making well, if money. If they're listening to you. Forget last year. Dude, if they're <laughs> listening to you, six and four is a winning week. Yeah, that is a win. Hey, forget last year. Don't even think about last year. Don't, don't, don't. Last year's last year. This is this year. We are making you money. And next Wednesday, we will pick some more games. Although I don't know that the slate is that good. Um, before we jump into breaking down uh, the Alabama Texas game, I want to thank our sponsor, Brown O'Haber. Brown O'Haber is a public insurance firm. They work for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your business or your home, fire, wind, theft, anything you have to file a property insurance claim for, and you're looking for a little help, or you think you're getting messed around by your insurance company, or you just want to kind of see what's going on, give us a call, Brown O'Haber. 405-735-5510. Um, Ron O'Haver does really good work for their clients. We are where we're at because of the referrals we receive, because of the clients we've helped. So thank you to all of you out there who have worked with us in the past and for your continuing support when you know about somebody else that's had a loss. If you've had a loss or you know someone that has, 405-735-5510. Kevin. We got to talk. We got to talk a little bit more about Texas and Bama. This was just is it's the game of the week um, so far. The game of the year in terms of matchups, potentially a uh, uh, you know a program defining game for you guys heading into the right. SEC next year. Um, this is good. I mean, this is good for recruiting. This is good for everything. You help. I think the stat that that helped that that pops out at me is you hold Bama to 362 yards, but you more than that, you hold them to 107 yards rushing. And that includes a very athletic dual threat quarterback in Milrow. Yeah. I thought Milrow was dynamic running the football, right? We did a really good job of for the most part containing him, but man, when he gets loose, it's scary. You know, I don't want to say he's quite Kyler Murray because he's not that, well, he doesn't throw the ball that well. Well, I'm, I'm talking about just as a runner, just strictly as a, as running. It, with the as a runner, he reminded me of Lamar Jackson as a runner. Yeah, yeah, because he's got he's big too, man. Yeah, it was more. He was more. His physicality was more Lamar Jackson, and even his throwing motion. You know, because Lamar yeah. 
I've always contended there could be a good Lamar and a bad Lamar. When good Lamar is on, he's the best player in the league. When bad Lamar is on, you're like, bro, just run the ball, you know? And so that's kind of how I felt with this kid. It was like he's either dropping dimes, right, or throwing it in the dirt. Hitting the ground. Yeah, he's hitting the ground. You know, it's a mechanics issue or whatever it was on him. Y'all got some pressure on him for sure. But um, I I noticed there was uh, number zero. Is that Hill Jr.? Anthony Hill, yeah. We talked about him. If you listen to the preview episode, you've heard his name a few times from me. He had dude had two freshmen. He had two freshmen, by the way. He he made a couple of true freshman um, mistakes where he got where he where he got out of contain. Yes. You know, but when he was disciplined and stayed home, you really didn't. He was the reason why Milrow was able to escape a couple times because he'd get too far up the um, up into the backfield. But uh, I just didn't think Alabama took advantage of Milrose's legs enough. They could not run the ball on your defensive line. Makes me nervous about the OU Texas game because, as we'll talk about, we didn't run the ball great against SMU. So I think that's a thing. Y'all did not run the ball particularly great, though. Um, but no, I think you did what I think you did what you had to do. Correct. And I did not expect Texas to be able to run the ball well against Alabama. But what I like is they stuck with it. They stuck with it. Quinn didn't have 55 pass attempts, 38 attempts. We stuck with the run. And what I loved is how they were able to close the game out with running it over and over and over and over. And they were able to keep the ball for what the last six minutes of the game once we got there. So I was really impressed with the offensive line. More than anything, though, the biggest thing that impressed me about this team was their mental toughness. We talked about this in the preview, right? Can they go and can they handle a four-quarter game in that environment against those five-star athletes and against Nick Saban, right? And I think everybody thought when Bama took that lead on that crazy play, the deep pass to Jermaine Burton, that, okay, this is it. This is where Texas kind of falls apart. Bama pulls away. They win. We go, okay, it was a good effort by Texas, but, you know, Bama's Bama, right? But, no, they came right back, went right down the field and scored on a deep pass to um, or on the uh, RPO slant to A.D. Mitchell. It was beautiful, and they just kept coming. Every time Bama would respond, they would just go right back and score. It's the kind of mental toughness I haven't seen from a Texas team in a very, very long time, really since Mac Brown was our coach. Look, this was a uh, – I don't know if I said this yet on the podcast. If I had, forgive me. But this is the six-year anniversary of the Oklahoma-Ohio State game, the, pl- the flag-planning game, where Oklahoma went up to Ohio State and in very similar fashion dominated the game. Oklahoma, in that case, they were behind much of the first half, but in the second half, you just they were just the better team. Um, and it kind of woke the world up that oh, maybe Oklahoma knows what they're doing. Maybe they're pretty good. This felt very similar. Like you lost you lost the game at home. It wasn't great. You didn't look like, you know, in your case, you kind of got screwed, but you still lost the game. But to have that redemption factor and to respond in the in a very tough place to play, Tuscaloosa. Um, the other thing is Quinn Ewers, dude, he looked sometimes against Rice, for example, against other – we've seen him against Oklahoma State. We've seen him against other not-so-good teams look rattled, make bad decisions, look hurried. His mechanics will be off. I mean, look at Twitter from the last week, y'all. I mean, all y'all talked about to Texas Twitter was his mechanics aren't good when he's under pressure, da 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 he was a different quarterback yesterday. He was a different quarterback. He was in that a game. completely different guy, man. He basically the guy that I've been saying he could be, right? I mean, you, 
I've taken the abuse for you since we started the podcast about what this guy can be at his very best, right? How accurate he could be, the touch on the deep ball, just how smooth and how calm and cool he is. We finally saw it all come together yesterday. And for it to come together at Bryant Denny Stadium in that atmosphere against that team, man, it, from a Texas fan standpoint, it was beautiful to watch. Well, and, and to be fair, he had a touchdown dropped in the first half. He had two touchdowns dropped. Oh, did he have two? I know he two. had uh-huh. Was it A.D. Mitchell dropped one? Yeah. Yeah. And well, who dropped the other one? Worthy. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So so he had two touchdowns dropped in the first half. Um, it's, uh, you know, the stat line is is solid. I 24-38, 349 yards, three touchdowns. Um, talk a little bit about your defense, though, Kevin. Catalan with seven tackles. Anthony Hill Jr. with six tackles. Your big guys in the middle don't show up on the stat line, but they were disruptive. What did you think of your defensive line? Yeah, it was the defensive line, man. And we talked about them in the season preview and the game preview as well, right? We felt like that's where we had the biggest advantage was the defensive line. But, you know, we wanted to see how legit they were. And it would be a bigger test going against those guys. They got guys 350, 360, Alabama does on their offensive line. And, man, they could not handle us all night. We were, especially anytime Milrow went to throw, we were beating their offensive line. We were getting into the backfield. They were holding, getting away with it, man. And like I said earlier, we have the depth. We had guys coming in, and those guys were getting pressure on Milrow. So it's exciting for me to see what this can be and how we can project this for the rest of the season. Because Alabama, and they got some young guys out there, right? They got five-star guys, but they're young. But we were able to get past them. And it seemed like it was relatively easy. Who um, do you think under um, how, who's their OC? Uh, Tommy Reese. Do you think under Tommy Reese he's going to be able to to develop Milrow? Is he I the guy know. that de- is he the guy that develops Milrow? I really don't know. I mean, I feel like you know who they have Bill O'Brien as their uh, OC yeah. last year. I feel like Sark probably could have gotten the best out of him. That's why Sark was recruited him to Alabama while he was there, right? Because, you know, Milrow, we talked about this. He was a Texas commit. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I don't remember. Yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. Uh, Milrow was a Texas commit. Where was he and Where's then, he from? He's from Katy. He, and he's oh, from, I didn't. Oh, okay. No, uh-huh. we talked about it. I forgot. No, I didn't even realize yeah. it. Uh-huh. So, um, but when when uh, Sark got Quinn Ewers to commit, because he basically committed when, when um, Herman was still the head coach. And then Sark gets the job, but then Sark gets Quinn Ewers to come from Ohio State. When he did that, that's when Milrow flipped to Alabama. Um, the guy was dynamic, but he is raw. He is very, very raw. You can see that. You can see the talent, but he is raw. He reminded he reminds me of Vince Young in two thousand three. I don't know if you remember Vince Young as a redshirt freshman. He would make yeah. these yeah, incredibly athletic, dynamic plays. But man, sometimes. He would go and throw the ball and it's just like, bro, what are you seeing? You know, he just yeah, yeah. Just wasn't ready yet. This wasn't ready. And and with Milrow, I love the talent. I like the kids. I like his makeup and everything. He just needs more time. And we'll we, see if Alabama, though, does he have the time? We don't always do this, but since Alabama is such a good um such such a good team and they're fascinating, they play South Florida next week. Uh, followed up by Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and AM. What is what is your outlook for for Alabama going forward? 
You know, I think they're going to get better. I think Milrow will get better. I think he'll learn from that. I think it's a great experience for him, right? Just to learn how to handle playing against a great defense. I still think they're going to be good. I think their defense is good. Um, I, I don't know. I think Texas was just better today. This, the matchup worked well for Texas. And with their SEC schedule, I don't know. Because we still don't know about LSU and a lot of these teams in the West. A&M has question yeah. marks. So when you look at the SEC West, they still look like the team to beat to me. Yeah. Even over LSU right now. Yeah. I I mean, Georgia clearly looks head and heel, head, head, head and shoulders above the rest of the SEC. I mean, let's not, let's face it. Alabama will be a good team. I think, I think you caught Alabama in a perfect spot. And I said this when we picked, I said this when we picked, um, when we made picks about talking about some of your losses, I picked y'all at nine and three. And I said, if I was going to go 10 and two with you guys, I was more likely to pick the Alabama game because they were not returning a quarterback. Y'all were, um, and you had a little bit of revenge from, a, a, and you demonstrated that you were not scared of Alabama because you knew how you could play with them from last year. So I don't know. I just think that, uh, I think that this was the right game for y'all to play, but I, I don't know. Alabama will bounce back, right? Yeah, I think they'll bounce back. They'll have a good season, right? Now, are there chinks in the armor of their dynasty? I think some people are questioning that. I don't know. They still continue to recruit. They still continue to recruit. That's true, right? But nothing lasts forever, right? And we've never seen this in college football. We've never seen a program this dominant, especially in this day and age, right? We saw Nebraska in the 90s was the last time, the last team to do this, right? Uh, USC. USC for two or three years. Exactly, but this has been longer. They they won their first national championship in two thousand nine, and then especially with you know all the movement that's happening in college football for them to remain this consistently good has been really unprecedented. So I'm curious to see how long it lasts. I still believe in Coach Saban. Hopefully, their fans do too. But man, I don't know. I'm just glad. I I just wonder though. It makes me wonder what would have happened last year if Quinn would have played the entire game. Right? It doesn't matter now. Right? But it just kind of makes you wonder. Just seeing how. He was playing like this last year. Um, when he played yesterday, he was playing like this last year. You could, first of all, I think it's incredibly fair to play the what if game because that's what's fun about sports. Um, but screw, screw Quinn playing. What about just getting a safety called? Like, yeah, just getting a safety called and you win that game. So, and you know, I did pick Bama to cover, and I picked it based on what I saw Quinn Ewers do at Rice. Okay, that was my. That's very fair. That's fair. That was my rationale. Okay, this is Quinn in 2023. This was his performance. This is what he looked like, and I didn't like what I saw. I can't envision a scenario where he goes down and looks different against a better defensive team. Yeah. I was wrong. However, a lot of Oklahoma media was saying Alabama was just going to boat roll Texas, that they had no chance, and da-da-da-da-da. And I, I think I can honestly say I wasn't there. I wasn't on the boat roll. Uh, group of people because I kind of thought this game was going to be pretty good. It just wasn't going to be Quinn wasn't going to be good enough, and I was wrong. Well, and in your defense, I picked Alabama to win. I just picked Texas to cover. I just didn't see that they would be able to blow out Texas with Texas' defensive line, right? But I didn't think they would have that mental toughness to last all four quarters and keep fighting, keep punching, keep taking punches, and then counter punching. That's what Texas has struggled even under Sark. 
right? Remember the Red River Shootout in tour? Obviously, you remember that. 2021. Greatest, great, greatest football game of my life. Yes. There you go, right? And then we saw several games like that that year, and we saw a few games like that last year, right? Like the Texas Tech game, the Oklahoma State game, just games that they should have won. They just couldn't outlast their opponent. So they had to go out and show us, and they showed us. So, man, I'm thrilled about it. Um, looking forward for Texas real quick. You got Wyoming. Uh, before you open up conference play against uh, Baylor. What does this do for you over the next couple games? Is there going to be any, is there going to be any hangover? Is this going to motivate you y'all and propel you forward? Uh, what does a win like this do over the next couple weeks prior to OU Texas? Okay. Well, I feel like it'll still a lot of confidence in the team, right? So, hey, listen, when we play like this, when we give our best effort, we can hang with anybody and beat anybody in the country. But at the same time, we have to have that similar effort and that mindset. When you asked me yesterday, you asked me if I was nervous about this game. I told you I wasn't nervous about it because they were our underdog. I'll be nervous when they play Baylor in a couple weeks. I'll be nervous when they play Kansas. And I'll be nervous for the Red River shootout, right? Because it's those other games against teams that you probably should be, especially with teams like Baylor and Kansas, that requires you to be really focused because you get beat by those teams. Yeah. You're going to get your best when you play at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Everybody's going to be up for it. Everybody's going to be focused and ready to go. So that's my biggest thing. But I feel like it'll give us a lot of confidence going forward, especially with the quarterback. That was our biggest question for the whole season. We talked about this in our season preview. Texas will go as far as really Sark and Quinn can take us. Everything else is setting up to be really, really good. All right. Um, oh, you fans, you have been waiting 34 patient minutes for us to get to the Oklahoma SMU game. Oklahoma wins 28 to 11. They cover the spread. It was a little bit of an odd game. I felt like the offense was asleep until the fourth quarter. Um, I appreciated what Levy was trying to do in the second and the third quarter by running the ball and trying to establish the run. And I thought it was effective. And for somebody who's constantly saying, run the ball, to develop that toughness, show them that we can do it. I just got to be honest with you, though. I'm a little nervous that if we can't push SMU around, that we're going to have a harder time pushing Central Florida, Cincinnati, Texas around. I think those are our first three games. So that makes me nervous about that because oh, Tawi Walker did rush for 117 yards, 5.6 yards a carry. He had a very good game. The other running backs were not nearly as effective. Um, and so from a running game standpoint, I wasn't – I was happy that they committed to it, but I wish it would have been a little bit more effective. Yeah, you know, again, you, you and I have talked about this. This offense is really based on running the ball effectively, and it opens up everything. It opens up the play action for the deep ball. It opens it up for the pop pass over the top to the tight end that you guys like to run. It opens up everything. So, again, it was smart to do that, to, to, to run – Run, 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 run. I just think OU fans would have liked to see a little bit more, you know, bigger holes open up in the running game. But is SMU better on defense than we thought? 
because we thought that this the difference in this game would be the fact that SMU would not be able to stop you guys at all. Were they just a little bit better and more well, fundamentally sound than we expected? I don't know if it's fundamentally sound so much as I think they're pretty talented. I think that they have uh, utilized the transfer portal really well. I think uh-huh. on the offensive side, it's easy to know who's good on the transfer portal, right? Oh, yeah. Kamar Wheaton. That's a good player. Yeah. Um, uh, the kid from TCU. That's a five-star recruit. Like it, it, those are like easy to, for our, at least for me, maybe other people can just, you know, but I did not realize that they had so many good transfers on the defensive side of the ball. I think they were pretty yeah. talented. I think you could look at SMU later and say, Hey man, this is going to be a pretty good team. Uh, I, I hope this isn't a, you know, kind of a Tulane example where we play Tulane. Like, oh, right, they're so good. And then they go two and 11. I think SMU is probably better than that. Um, the, the takeaway for me, though, has to be defensively. Uh, there better not be one person out there saying that the defense didn't do their job. You held a team to 11 points in the year 2023. 11 yeah. and, points. And they've got, they've got players on offense. They've got guys with skill positions. They've got a really talented quarterback. Uh, the KJ Johnson kid didn't lead the team in running, but he was a beast. That dude oh, was LJ. A, LJ, LJ, yeah, he was a beast. He was he was hard to take down. Uh, that Maryland kid was a good uh, tight end. I don't think they used him enough. Neither um, do I. Neither do I. I thought he would be a big factor in the game, and he was not. And 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 they had you know what did they have? Uh, three hundred sixty-seven total yards. It's not that's not like by shutting them down necessarily. But in the red zone, when they had to make the stops, unlike last year, they did make the stops. And that's the difference. This could have been a very different game if OU doesn't bow up on third and fourth down, especially as we got closer to the red zone. So they forced a lot of punts. They forced a missed field goal. Oklahoma's defense did a really good job. And it starts with Danny Stutzman. 17 tackles and a sack. The guy was all over the field. And there were times where he didn't even play. There were series that he took off. Where not not he didn't take off because he didn't play. But they put in uh, Kip Lewis. They put in uh, McKenzie. Uh, all these different players. Yeah, it was I'm good saying, to yeah, see Kobe McKenzie tackles. in there. Kobe McKenzie. Yeah, no, it was good to see him in there too. Yeah, Kobe McKenzie and Kip Lewis both looked really really good in there, and I like the speed that they brought. Listen, when SMU tried to run wide, that was not happening. They tried a couple reverses. They tried a couple sweeps. They tried some bubble passes out to the side. Nope, that was not occurring. The weak parts were um, up the middle, and there were still just some coverage issues. I think the coverage issues, though, could be blamed on the defensive line not getting there. That was still a problem. Yeah, well, the let me, let me line, say this. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, first of all, the, the, you talked about the outside runs not being able to get there, and that speaks more than anything to the discipline of the defense. Right, they had that one play. They almost ran like a little fumble ruski where they had the receiver kind of hiding behind the line. They snapped the ball and handed it to him on a little sneak reverse, and Stutzman was just there. That's just discipline. So I think if you're an OU fan, you have to be excited about that because last year you guys would have just ran overran it and would have just left a huge gaping hole, and it would have been a 50 yard run. Right. So I think you should be excited about that. You know, the defensive line up the middle. I think you're still developing there. You're still trying to figure out who you have and who is consistently good. But the speed, the athleticism is certainly improved over what you had last year. I think the linebackers are the strength of our defense right now. I think they, they um, all of them, Canick, Canick had a bad pass interference call, but that's going to happen. Canick, 
Stutzman, Kip Lewis, Kobe McKenzie. Those guys looked really, really solid and were all over the field and were in on plays. Um, the, the unsung hero. Okay, if Stutzman is the sung hero because of his stats with 17 tackles, they targeted Woody Washington three times. Woody yeah. Washington is like um, – I don't know if he is that good, but I think everybody else thinks he's that good because they just won't go over there. They yeah, will they, not go they over there. They certainly respect side. him. They respect him more than who anybody else you have out there. That's they, clear. They, and, and uh, you know, and that's fine because you've got true freshmen on the other side and Gentry Williams on the other side, which I think he was hurt, and I think he was back in. Then you had Josiah Wagner. You had, so you had different guys going over there. Uh, 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 Kalani Walker. Um, all, all these different dudes were on that side, and they played good. I'm not that obviously eleven points. Look, our defense gave up some busts. Our defense gave up some rushes up the middle. Our defense gave up more yards than we gained. It doesn't matter, dude. You hold a team to 11 points, that's a good defense. And it's a good defensive performance. And you build off of that. Because the points are what matters. Not yards, not sacks, not stats. It's points. We held them to 11 points. And that's the sign of a defense that is getting better with each game they play. I agree. And You know, we talked about Stutzman before the year. I felt like he was a little bit underrated by OU fans, I think. There were some times in the season where the fan base was really frustrated with him. I thought he was pretty consistent throughout the season last year, and he's just showing it this year, right? The guy's always around the football. It's kind of like one of those linebackers you had back in the early 2000s. You have Kalmas and and Lehman. He's kind of one of those types. He reminds me of those guys. Um, Back to the offense, though. My first question for the offense, if I got to interview Jeff Levy, um. Well, while we're talking about Jeff Levy, I think it would be remiss to say. Okay, I yeah, I, I was wondering if we were going to talk about that. Um, so uh, we almost got canceled this morning on the Twitter. We almost got canceled. Did you know that? Did you know I put up a tweet? No, I didn't see your tweet. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I put. So I'm just going through, scrolling through Twitter, uh, drinking my coffee, getting ready for this, and Parker Thune put a picture of Art Riles next to Jeff Levy, and I tweeted out. Well, we could have used him calling plays in the third quarter, right? Because I thought that was funny. And then I proceeded to read the rest of the tweets that everybody else wrote, and that probably wasn't going to hit the tone. So I not at all. I deleted. I'm glad, that tweet. I'm, I'm glad you did. I get why you did it, and it's and it's funny. I deleted yeah. that tweet, and I thought to myself, "Oh, oh my God, Kevin is Ke- Kevin's Kevin's career as a podcaster could be done because of <laughs> one dumb tweet." Um, but I put it out there, and uh, I'll own it. Uh, at the same time, I'll also own deleting it after reading the room. Um, that being said, I am on the side of the media is making a big deal to sound morally superior. I, I just okay. am. I don't agree with anything Bryles did. Okay, the, come on. He ran a he ran a very very shady program. And it's a miracle that Baylor didn't face harsher sanctions than they did. And they faced a lot of harsh sanctions and he's never really owned it, I think. And I think that's probably the bigger issue is if Art Bryles would ever just, you know, do a mea culpa and say, you know what? I made mistakes. I hurt people. I, I did some wrong thing. He never did that. And I think in America, we love the apology, right? We love falling on your sword. Yes, we and are a very kind of, forgiving nation when it comes to that. 
We are. We are. Look, you know, look at Morgan Wallen is like the best country singer in the world right now after a year ago saying the N-word and getting in trouble with everybody, you know, but I apologize. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. The dude still says the N-word, guys. I'm just telling you. Like, but we're going to listen to his music. My point is with with our bras, it's like, just say it. Just say, you know what? I made mistakes and I'm really, really sorry. But he's kind of not ever going to do that, I don't think. Yeah. And if he doesn't, he's going to continue to be a punching bag for everything that's wrong with college football. And I don't know. Did you see Levy's, uh, Jeff Levy's interview where they were at, where he I asked did. about him? Yeah, he was he was pretty defiant over it. You know? And I, listen, I know the man is his father-in-law, and I know he's a grandfather of Jeff Levy's kids. But, man, it's just not a good look to have Art Briles anywhere near your program. It just isn't. Because, um, you know, I can see it's not like it's just one thing, right? When he – covering over the, the type of things that he covered over for years and he knew about this, that's a lot of people who are affected by this. Yeah. A lot of people. So yeah. you just can't have him near the program. Yeah. You just can't be – he can't be on the sidelines. I just um, – I, I agree. I think you're right. Obviously, with what it's but you don't need a team like Oklahoma trying to trying to reestablish themselves as a yes. as a as a power doesn't need the distractions. You don't need the distraction exactly. That's why players get kicked off teams, right? That's why people get fired because more than anything, it's just why it's like uh, Kale Gundy had to go because you don't need the distraction. It's too much. But they kind of knew this when they hired him, right? I mean, this isn't a secret. Well, this, what what do you think I, about I, what Joe C said, right? Yes, and we knew that Jeff Levy had been had always defended our Bryles. Always. Yeah, and that yeah. wasn't going to change. And they again, they absolutely knew that when they hired him. They knew that. But what with Joe C was that Joe C who said that, you know, there were supposed to be certain boundaries in place. What do you take of that? What do you make of that? All I saw was on Twitter, so I don't know if that was for sure officially sent from Josie. Okay. Have you seen it as officially sent from Josie or just no. like an excerpt? Just so an excerpt. I'm not willing to cite that as like official Josie statement. Um, I just feel like it's an opportunity for Twitter to jump all over something. I still think okay. that. I don't okay. think – now – if Brent Venables and Joe Castiglione, if it comes out that they said, hey, dude, you can't bring your your grandfather or your father-in-law here, and they told him that when they hired him, well, then that's a story. Yeah, like, That's a story. Like, if he's got direct – if he has a, a direct order, hey, dude, Art, I, we know you love Art, but he can't be around the program. So just yeah. make, make, that, make that a minimal part of your public persona here at OU. Then that's a, that's a story, okay? That's legitimate. But if that was not addressed directly and it's it's exactly as Levy described it, then it's a bad look. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's kind of how my – I don't know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It. It, it's a bad look. And I don't think it's, it's a huge deal. I guess something that needs to be addressed and, and talk about and just, you know. So as a Texas it, fan, as a mm-hmm. Texas fan, you're saying – and this is – I like this because it's outside looking in. You're saying bad looks shouldn't have happened. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's our brows, right? We all know, I mean, the things that are accused of happening in the Baylor program, and it's mo- it's not like it's just one. No, it's player. a lot. It's, it's a like lot. a dozen. You know, it's so 
it's too much smoke there for it not to be at least somewhat legit, right? Yeah, you just. And, uh, I, I'm not saying. Levy knew. Bryles knew. Go ahead. I, well, I just want to be clear I, in case I in case I didn't sound clear before. I'm not saying an apology makes things better. Okay. That so if I said that earlier, I don't. Maybe I didn't sound that way. Maybe I, my intent is to say the fact that he hasn't apologized is going to keep him from ever escaping pariah status in college football. It just right. will. Now, I'm not saying that the victims feel better when because Art Bryles apologizes. It probably doesn't change anything. He's still a he's still a tool. And yeah, but and the fact that he hasn't he's the fact that he no hasn't is what, it. no accountability is what's going to continue to create these storms and create the larger distraction that's occurred on, on Saturday. And if you listen, this is the University of Oklahoma, right? You guys are one of the bluest of the blue bloods. And Levy has to understand, I know that's his father in law, but like it's just not a good look for the program. It's just not. No. I get it. Okay. You know, all right. Enough with enough with Art Riles. Um, by the way, didn't look good either. Kind of looked old and he, he did. Well, he's not coaching. <laughs> yeah. Kind of looked like you know what I mean. Just kind of let it. Art Riles kind of let it go coach. a little bit. He is a football coach. That's what he does. That's his purpose in life. And he has, he ain't coached in a while. So he's got that old. He's got that you old see man. Now he just looks like an old man. Yeah. He's got that old man. I didn't recognize him. Like, oh, that's Art Riles. Yeah. He's got that old man, long hair, don't care look going on, you know. Yeah, yeah he looks like he's just been on the road. Uh, where, uh, where's my grandkid? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Come, come to Papa. Uh, all right, back to what I, what what I wanted them to ask Levy though, which I think is a little more um, specific to the game itself, is where is Austin Stogner? Why has this guy got one touch in a game where we are having a hard time finding receivers? We're having a hard time getting people open. We're having a hard time moving the ball. We're getting a little bit of pressure. Where is Austin Stogner? He's our biggest um, target, and he's nowhere to be found, Kevin. He's MIA. I get one reception for three yards. I, I don't get it, dude. Like, I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying he's Jatavion Sanders. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Mark Andrews. But we know he's a pretty decent tight end. Yeah, he can. Where's this dude at? Where's this guy know. at? Yeah, I don't know. He he's a complete non-factor this season. Complete, oh, and you know I don't think he's actually a dominant. He's I, a big tight end, but he, and he's not a dominant blocker. So, yeah, he's you know I think some people thought that he may be a replacement for Braden Willis. Not in the same way. Obviously, he's not as athletic as he's not going to move around the field like he does. But you thought he'd be a target at that position, and it just hasn't happened so far at all. I thought with the lack of a clear number one on the receiving core that he was going to have to have a target that he could count on that he could look for. Right. Um, he didn't, a tight end doesn't have to be the greatest athlete in the world. You know, they just have to be, no, catch the ball. Feel thing. It's, yeah, you gotta it's a, have a feel for positioning and stuff like that. All of those things, you know, and the kid is a five-year senior. He's seen a lot of ball. He's been coached by a lot of guys at, at high level programs, played in the sec, played at Oklahoma before he's been around Lincoln Riley been around Shane Beamer, been around Jeff Levy, right? I mean, these are all good offensive minds that can coach a guy up. I just expected more than one catch for three yards against SMU, especially when you're having a hard time moving the ball. If you're flying, if the ball's flying around and it's hitting everybody and everybody, okay, well, then, you know, Stogner might get lost in the game. But this to me was, you know, you're running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, play action, hit the tight end in the flat. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe I just. And it's interesting, I, right? That on the touchdown, 
that you had in the red zone that you, you had Blake Smith in there. Yeah. And you threw uh, it to him for a touchdown. He went one, yeah, he just had one, he just had one catch too. Yeah. Um Anthony uh Andrell Anthony looked good. He is he is starting he to has been he yeah. He he's, looks like he's becoming the guy. He's potentially emerging. Uh Farouk did make a big play though when we needed it. A really, yeah. really big play. When they had Great cut into 14 11. Uh that was a big play by Farouk. Major with a good scamper on the sideline. Um Tawi Walker, I, I like Tawi Walker. I think he's I I'm okay with him being the starting running back. When he's Is in it there, true he was a walk-on? I guess so. I didn't know that. That doesn't that sounded new to me, but if somebody's out there listening, please put in the comments. I mean, maybe he was a walk-on. I don't know. But because when I see Javante Barnes, he doesn't have that explosiveness. He does not get you past the first contact. For as big a dude as he is, he doesn't get you past the first contact. Yeah. Is he fully healthy? Well, I don't know. They're running him, dude. I mean, he had two carries. He only had two carries. Yeah. And they were he just good. that far behind. Yeah. And and I saw Gavin Sacha. Would he have one carry, too? Where you are? If you line up Walker next to Javante Barnes, you're going to give the ball to Javante Barnes 95 times out of 100. All day. Javante Barnes is the best-looking person on that team. He is, just from an athlete standpoint. He looks like he could play anywhere, on uh, any position. Team? Huh? The whole team? As far as an athlete goes? Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I do. Yeah, you don't tell think you couldn't play cheetah position for him? At least in terms of how he looks. I'm just saying yeah, how he I looks. Not gonna, I, I, I could do Stand him up there and go, man, that guy, put him anywhere you want. Yeah. That guy's a stud. He gets tackled too easily, and he doesn't get any additional yards. Towie Walker gets tackled and carries teams for four or five yards, man. Like, he's got those big old thighs that kind yeah. of Samaje yeah. P. Ryan. Uh-huh. My, my daughter was watching him, and she's like, is, it, is, that, is that Vaughn? Is that Vaughn? And I'm like, no, it's not Vaughn. Is he bigger than Vaughn? I'm like, well, he's a little bit bigger, but not, you know, not a lot. <laughs> I mean, they loved him last year. So, I don't know. My – my final takeaways from the game are you have to be happy with the defense. If you walk yeah. away being pissed at the defense, you're, you're, you're mad at the wrong things. Offensively, we need an identity here, guys. If it's running the ball, then freaking run it and pushing people around. If it's, if it's running the ball to set up the pass, then run the ball, set up the pass, and get some of these short passes completed so Gabriel can get in a rhythm. He was in a rhythm last week with the short passing game. He never got into that rhythm. We didn't really take – I don't know if they took the long ball away, but they didn't really give us an opportunity to even throw the long ball. Maybe that wasn't there. Maybe yeah, that was that's SMU's what I was confused plan. about. Didn't see any deep shots. Maybe SMU took it away. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, That's part of the things you wonder. But if they're going to take that away, then you would expect to be able to use Gavin Freeman, Drake Stoops, Stogner in the underneath game. And it just yeah. – it really wasn't there. Stoops had two for 17. Freeman dropped a ball that would have been a first down. It was just an odd. They never felt like they were in sync. Um, and that's my takeaway from the OU-SMU game. I think Tulsa um, will could be just as good offensively as SMU, especially with uh, Kevin Wilson calling the plays. So I think we have an opportunity again to see the defense kind of show out. But offensively, they, we've got to find a rhythm and an identity before we hit Big 12 play. Correct. Yeah, and you got to hit those explosive plays. You know, you know, you're not going to win consistently without hitting those big plays. Even if the offense is struggling to move it consistently, you got to hit plays. If you, you know, if you're not, 
Well, you got to do one or the other. You got you got to do one or the other, right? Correct. Yeah. You got to do one or the other. You either got to hit. You either got to hit big plays, or you have to be incredibly consistent and moving the ball. And we just weren't incredible. We weren't incredibly consistent. But hey, crazy part is we covered the spread, right? So the spread was fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, sixteen and a half. We, but at the same time, I think we all thought that it was going to be forty-seven thirty. Right. Yeah. I think I had 40, was it 4220 or something? 4224. And am I weird to think, would I have really felt better about that? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think, no, I'm walking away saying our defense looks really good. I think I have to convince myself that this is a better win than 4730. It has to be right. Yeah. I would think so. If this was Texas, I would think so. It almost like kind of looked like Texas and rice. The way Texas looked against rice. It's a little, well, that's, Sluggish offensively, right? Just so again, you got Tulsa next week. You go out and handle business against them. Hopefully, you put up some points. It'll be on the road, but it's not going to be a, a road challenge. But it'll be nice to get away and kind of. I think teams a lot of times can focus better when they're on the road. You know, I tell you, I I, uh, I do. I think they can focus better on the road. I think it'll be a good matchup. To get us in, I I am not entirely not worried about Cincinnati in two weeks. I know we'll I get understand there. that. I know That's we'll get be, there. With, it's going to be an interesting environment there. It's their first ever Big Twelve game. Them and them and UCF are not. I mean, Houston and BYU have looked kind of pushoverish. Yeah, Houston lost to Rice yesterday. Yeah, and they Houston, gave up forty seven to Rice too. I didn't realize that was that bad. They look pretty pushoverish. So those two, I'm not so much worried about. UCF and Cincinnati look like to me, at least on Oklahoma's schedule, could be very tricky games, especially where they're located in the schedule. Maybe because Cincinnati is that first conference game, it, it's not not so much a trap game. Yeah, and it's on uh, the road. That's what makes that difficult. Yeah, it's on the road, and uh, I don't know. But anyway, uh, Kevin. What are you going to do with the rest of your Sunday, knowing that you had the biggest win in college football and potentially the biggest win in Texas history? I still contend since 2005, but you can say since 2008. That's fine. We're talking over 15 or 16 years, the biggest win in your program's history in 15 or 16 years. What will you do with the rest of your Sunday? Man, well, I'm just going to enjoy it, right? I'm going to watch the highlights probably 20 times, right? And then I'm going to keep up with the NFL opening opening day for them. Uh, I got a fantasy team, of course. So we'll who's see your, how who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? I've got two quarterbacks, but um, Joe Burrow. Wow. Also have just I also have Justin Fields because he puts up numbers. Joe Burrow historically not good against the Bengal uh, against the Browns, and they play the Browns today. Well, you know it's funny because as of right now, I haven't made my final decision yet, but I've got Justin Fields going against Green Bay. But I'm still trying to decide. You know, Joe Burrow got paid this week. He signed the biggest contract in NFL history this week. So I don't know if he's going to be motivated to go out, go out there and show out. I love their weapons, man. They're receiving. Oh no, I think Cincinnati's a great team. But I just I yeah. saw that statistic yeah. that uh-huh. he hasn't been good against the Browns. And, it's- and look, Cleveland should actually be a decent team this year if they get anything out of Deshaun Watson because everywhere else they're set up for success. Um, Who's your uh, who's your point getter though? Because are you in a PPR league where you need a point? I am in a PPR league. You know, I don't have great wide receivers. I did get Bijan Robinson, which of course I have to. you have to. You, you are, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we do nobody's called an auction. We do nobody's called a- an auction style draft, right? Okay. Okay, and what what that means is instead of we traditionally right, you just 
pick, you know, you pick an order, and then so you have the first pick, you pick whoever you want, second person picks whoever they want. With, with an auction draft, you start off with a budget of $200, right? 200 mythical dollars. And then you can, every player is available to every person that's in the league, right? So you nominate a player. So if I nominate B. John Robinson, everybody gets a chance to bid on him, but you have to build your entire roster with that $200. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. So you have to strategize of how much you're willing to spend on a particular player. So you can spend a decent amount on every player, or you can spend a lot on two or three players and then just kind of get cheap players for the rest of the team. So it's a strategy. I spent 60 on Bijan Robinson. Uh, what time does he roll out today? I believe it's at noon. I believe it's about to start here at noon. Let's see. Yeah, Carolina. He could have a good game. He could have a good game against Carolina. Why not? I hope so. Remember, he's not just going to be a running back. They're going to get like thirty carries. They're going to have him in the slot. They're going to have him doing a bunch of different things. So I'm excited to see how he, how he plays. Uh, this is exciting. NFL kicks off. Well, NFL already kicked off. Uh, Kadarius Tony had a terrible game. He had a rough one, man. That was he had a rough game. But Blake Bell, Boomer Sooner, went out there, caught a touchdown. Looked Again. really good. He has continuously showed us how dynamic of an athlete. He's just a football he player. Is he's a football Correct. player? It's yeah. that simple. Uh huh. What do you want to play? Do you want to play him at quarterback? Do you want to play him at tight end? Do you want him to be a long snapper? Like, what do you yeah. want him to do? The kid will do the whatever you want to do. He has lasted this long in the league. I don't even know. Was he even drafted? I don't know if he was drafted or not. But to be in the league, what's it? What's it about? Nine, ten years he's been yeah, in the league now, and, and you know he's been on multiple teams, and he's you know been on practice squads, and then they pulled him up, and all this and all that. But he's a he's just a good football player. At the end yeah. of the day, he's just a football player, and it's those are the kind of players that you're proud went to your school, right? You know, yeah. Those guys and you think about, on. and I don't I, I don't know how much we'll have of that in the future because the NIL and how many and transfer portal. If if a if a Blake Bell would have stayed in Oklahoma and wouldn't have been a tight end, but you know, one of those guys that just stays and just keeps getting better and better and, and, and then shows out in the league. It's just, man, I love it. I freaking love it. Yeah. Nine seasons in the NFL for him. Good for him, dude. He's great. Yeah. Um, your Cowboys tonight? Tonight. Yeah. Giants should be a fun one. What are we going to get out of that? <laughs> you know, I think the uh-huh. defense is going to be really good. They're going to, I think they're going to be able to get pressure on any team they play this season. Will Deuce, Vaughn, play. will Deuce Vaughn play at all? I think he will. I, I do. I think he'll play. That will make me an even bigger Cowboy fan than I already am because I'm a, I would love to see a little guy like that. He's so fun to watch. I know he played in the preseason, and, of course, he he's going to be a fan favorite. Some fans already know. Those who keep up with the preseason, they already know. Obviously, we know because we love college football. Yeah. We've been knowing. But the NFL, the Cowboys fans will know soon enough, and they're going to love it. All right, dude, this was a great show. Congratulations again on your big win. We'll get together Wednesday and Thursday and preview week three. In the meantime, boomer. Hook him.